no matter what you've done or what's been done to you, I'm going to still view you in a positive light and do my best to help you and to cheer you on. Welcome to the Outperform Podcast. My name is Scott Welly. I'm an author, speaker, and the founder of Outperform the Norm, a global movement that helps people achieve peak performance in their personal and professional lives. I've spent my life working with top performers in business as well as athletics, and each week it's my aim and mission to bring you an inspiring person to share their personal stories and insights, or perhaps it'll be a personal message from me, but with one very simple goal in mind, to help you outperform. Your time is precious, and I want to thank you for spending it with me here today. But just one small ask before we get started. If you find value from this podcast, the greatest way that you could possibly thank me would be to head on over to iTunes or whatever your favorite podcast platform happens to be and give it a five-star review. Also share it with somebody that you know that you would like to help outperform so we can all grow this movement together and strive to make the world a healthier, happier, higher performing place. Once again, thank you for being here. And without further ado, let's get started. Shelly Blanchard, welcome to the Outperform Podcast. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. And you? I'm doing excellent. Thanks for asking. As we dig into this, I always like to lead in with how would you define outperforming in your life and what does it mean for you to outperform the norm? I think for me, just always like persevering no matter what. So, you know, I look at it throughout my life of all the challenges that I've gone through and it's just, it's never giving up. That's the way I see outperforming. So you know, if you're trying to run a mile and it takes you 20 minutes, it's like, okay, that's what it takes you, you know, but you don't give up and say, oh, well, Scott can do it in 10. So, you know, I have to give up now. (laughs) So I think always doing your best and just persevering no matter what, you know, you can take some breaks and rest and relax, but you just, you can't give up. Sure. So before we go into some of those specific things, specific stories you have about where you haven't Mm -hmm. given up, Uh, Tell people a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do. Sure. Um, So I have a couple different things I'm actually doing right now. So recently started doing uh, teletherapy. So that's um, counseling online. And I have clients in Minnesota and Iowa both. So it's just kind of a video chat back and forth. So people don't have to come right into an office. And it's been really a neat thing. So I really enjoyed it a lot. And then as a part-time gig and kind of as a way of giving back, um, I am also working in a memory care unit at a local nursing home in the little town I live in, in Fayette, Iowa. (laughs) In where, Iowa? Fayette, Iowa. So it's about the size of Avon, Minnesota, where I grew up. Small Uh, town. Yeah, I'm familiar Mm -hmm. with that. Okay. Yeah. Our claim to fame is we have Upper Iowa University here where my husband, Christopher, works. Okay. And, mm-hmm. um, and where exactly in Iowa is that? Just so to It is Northeast Iowa. It's basically two hours south from Rochester. Two hours south from Rochester. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very cool. Uh, so what is, well, and, and the first thing I'll say on the teletherapy thing, I still kind of I don't know if I pinch myself every now and then, but I still find 
our ability to do things and technology to just be phenomenal where we could be sitting here. And of course you're in Iowa, but my brother lives in Rome, Italy, and I have clients literally all over the world where it's just an amazing thing where you can go and you can help people and you can work with them and you can do different things literally wherever they are, as opposed mm -hmm. to kind of back in the olden days, um, mm -hmm. you know, to be face to face to be able to help people. So it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? It is. It's just interesting. And the other day, one of my clients was actually unpacking her groceries while we started talking. So it's just, it can be quite hilarious as well. Yeah, right. yeah you sometimes see a little bit more of people than, uh, than you would like to see. Yeah, exactly. So to go into kind of what you started with as far as not giving up, uh, what is your outperforming story? I don't know if you have one or if you could give an example of something where you've really outperformed and you haven't given up. I think, um, I don't know, I was just kind of jotting down notes this morning and thinking over my life a little bit. And I just think in general, it's just, you know, kind of weaves all the way from, you know, being born all the way up to now, you know, and really, you know, growing up with a single parent, a single mom, she did a you know, wonderful job um, and all that, but just, you know, that dynamic where you have one parent, you don't have both parents to go to can mm -hmm. kind of be tough. Um, so I think sometimes I struggle just with kind of feeling good enough or, you know, just kind of understanding my place in the world a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. So that was kind of a challenge and just kind of slowly working through that and you know, eventually found my way to college and neither of my parents had ever gone to college, but my older brother, Kevin, um, he had gone and just really encouraged me and said, you know, you're going to love it. It's going to be great. Like you're smart, like you need to do this. And I was like, oh, I guess I really never thought I was that smart of a person. So mm -hmm. yeah, just kind of having um, some people come alongside and encourage me as I got older, I think helped a lot. Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in who you surround yourself with and how that, mm -hmm. I mean, nobody outperforms alone. You know, we mm -hmm. outperform because we surround ourselves with great people that help to pull us up and to help us to be better. So uh, as far as growing up in a single parent household uh, and the fact that you've kind of been reflecting on your life, maybe and getting ready for this <laughs> podcast, you know, how do you think that specifically affected you at the time and maybe how you notice it manifesting itself or playing out in your life right now? I think at the time, kind of like what I was saying with maybe not having quite as much support, you know, when you have a single parent in the house, it's sort of, they have to become both parents, right? So when my mom would get home from work and it's like, okay, we have the cooking, the cleaning, the laundry, you know, all that to take care of. But then it's also kind of more the guy stuff, right? Like, taking care of the lawn, you know, getting the car to get the oil changed and, you know, those types of things. So it was just sort of one person trying to do everything. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, men and women have kind of different perspectives on things, right? So your mom might have a certain perspective on a certain topic and, you know, your dad might have a different perspective. So kind of missing out on some of that. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And is there one specific time that you can think of? I know you brought up not feeling good enough um, and you've obviously brought up not giving up like is there one specific time where you feel like you were really faced with some adversity and maybe you were doubting yourself like when am I going to get to the finish line or kind of see the 
you know, the light at the end of the tunnel that you were able to get through that to be able to find something in yourself and to be able to come out better on the other side? I would say that was probably like more recently. Well, I guess not super recent because it was about 10 years ago or so when I first got my license as a marriage and family therapist. So that process, you know, was about three years of school. You know, I like to say kind of a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And <laughs> I say, <the> you know, <laughs> I, I don't know, it makes it sound, you know, more powerful, right? Put right. blood, sweat, and tears into it. Um, but just, you know, the amount of hours that you need actually doing therapy, and then you need like certain hours with groups and couples and families and all that. And so just seeking out, you know, sort of different places to get all those hours in and you know, sometimes working your full-time job and then evenings and weekends, you know, kind of running around to different places, um, helping out with support groups or for a while I saw a bunch of different couple, young couples and did pre-marriage counseling. So I met at their homes, things like that. So it's just sort of, okay, I've got to get these hours in and how am I going to do that? And where am I going to do that? And mm-hmm. just the expense of the process. Um, yeah. yeah. Were there ever any times throughout that three years, and and I can somewhat relate to it, I've got my master's degree, which took me two years, and and it was a heavy two years, Um, Mm -hmm. but any time during those three years where you honestly thought about giving up or thought, I'm not going to get to the finish line at the end of this? (laughs) Yeah, and I think, honestly, I mean, the three-year part, it was tough, but I kind of managed through that, but was after finishing that, that you then need all of these hours, you know, of uh, working with different types of clients. And sometimes certain places you work may have only individual clients that come in. So mm-hmm. to get all of those hours to officially be licensed as a therapist was to me the hardest part. So the three years was challenging, but after that kind of getting to that next level, um, I think personally was the hardest part. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely times in there where it was just kind of like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know if I have the energy for this. Like, I don't know if this is ever going to happen, but it was like, you know what? I've come this far. I want to help people. I want to help them through challenges I've been through and I know I'm going to be good at this. So I have to put in the time, uh-huh. just keep going, blood, sweat, and tears. Like that's all <laughs> part of it. Keep going. And it's like, it will happen. Yeah. <laughs> and it did. Yeah. yeah. So that kind of brings me to my next question. Um, What led you to want to do marriage and family therapy? Why did you go down that path? Yeah. So actually um, back in college, um, I just wasn't quite feeling like myself. Like I just didn't know what was going on with me. Just tired, just not happy, just kind of bummed out. And like, this is weird because I'm generally kind of a bubbly, happy, outgoing person. And Finally, I was like, you know, maybe I should talk to that counselor lady in the other building, you know, like, I don't even know what she'll tell me, but I don't know, that might, that might be helpful. Yeah. So I found my way over there and talked with her and she's like, oh, Shelly, she's like, I think you have depression. I'm like, like, I have depression? Like, that's weird. <laughs> like, I'm not a depressed person. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of what it ended up being. And she helped me out a lot and was just like, you know what, this can happen to people. Even if your life seems to be going pretty well, there can be kind of that chemical part of it where something's not quite going right in your brain. And, you know, finding out too later, there's some history on both sides of my family with some depression. It was like, oh, well, this makes sense. You know, it doesn't always have to be like your life is terrible. So you're going to be sad and depressed. It can just kind of 
get you a little bit out of the blue. So really getting the help through her and that encouragement and realizing, you know, like this can really happen to anybody. Um, you know, finding that out and getting the help and feeling so much better. It was like, wow, this is pretty powerful. And that's kind of what led me to going like, wow, like it wasn't that hard to, well, it was hard to get into the office, you know, like I got to make an appointment and step in the door. But once I got in there and she was just so nice and friendly and like, okay, this is kind of what you're dealing with. This is how we have to handle it. And yeah, it just gave me a lot of hope. And I was like, I want to help people like that. Like if I can just talk with somebody in my office and help change your whole life, I'm like, that's what I want to do. This is amazing. Well, good for you for paying it forward. Yeah. And that's, yeah, kind of a good way of putting it. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's really what you're doing. And I, I hate the fact sometimes that I think there, there's still such a stigma around, I don't know if we just want to call them mental health issues, but specifically mm -hmm. depression where, you know, yeah. I've suffered from, I would say, maybe mild forms of it from time to time. And I've lost both of my parents in the last couple of years, but I still kind of look at it and, and I'm like, why, why am I just not happier sometimes on a day-to-day -day basis? And I think to actually be able to admit that and specifically to be able to admit it when you look out and you're, and you're just like, my life is pretty good. Like I have no reason that I should be mm -hmm. feeling bad. Uh, I, I think it takes actually a tremendous amount of courage to be able to do that because there is that, that social stigma around it. So mm -hmm. good on you for doing that. <laughs> like, yeah. And yeah. I think, I mean, the stigma is lessening just, you know, little by little, yeah. which is amazing. And, you know, when you're talking about somebody that seems, you know, happy, like they have a great life, I think of like Robin Williams, Oh right. you know, I mean, it was just like so shocking to hear of him, you know, he took his own life and everyone's like, he was so happy. Like, I mean, some of the funniest movies out there he yeah. was in, Yeah. you know, so. I've, I've heard Tony Robbins say he, he spent his life making everyone else happy, mm -hmm. but he never focused on making himself happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just, mm -hmm. I, I think it's a very interesting thing for, for all of us to look at. So. True. If you could describe yourself in one word, what would that be and why? Um, I would say with this one, empathetic. So I have just, I think it's like a God-given ability to really put myself in somebody else's shoes and, you know, sort of feel what they feel and just um, be able to tell even by the look on somebody's face sometimes, even if they have that smile, I can kind of tell, you know what? that's not all that genuine. Like there's something else going on under there. And I think it's from everything I've been through where I can go, Hey, I've had that smile before too. And I was really depressed, but you know what? I knew how to do the smile. So everyone wouldn't be like, are you okay? What's wrong with you? Yeah. So mm -hmm. empathy is something that you feel like you were born with, like something that's, that you just all, yeah. that's always come easily to you. Um, you know, I think it's something that's grown little by little over time. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it makes you very good at your job. I think so. I mean, a lot of people, even just outside of my job through, you know, my church or just friends or family will come and talk to me about things and I think it's just, you know, I'm a good listener and they know that I haven't had the perfect life. So it's like I can relate to some challenges too. It's not just like, oh, I'm, 
Shelly Blanchard, I've had a wonderful life and let me tell you how to do the same. You know, that's just not very relatable. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were to go back and, and I suppose you wouldn't have been Shelly Blanchard at this point, you would have been Shelly Rodebacher as I knew you, but mm -hmm. go back yeah. to the 20 year old version of Shelly and you've obviously been through a lot and give her some advice going back to that 20 year old Mark, what would that advice be? You know, it's funny because when I think about that, that's pretty much right around the time when I had gotten diagnosed with depression and I, I started college a year later. So I worked as a nanny first and then was like, okay, I'm ready for college now. Um, but what, it goes back to what you were saying a little earlier about surrounding yourself, you know, with good people. And I think I would have, would give myself the advice, you know, to find a group of people, even a few people that are older than you to kind of mentor you to be there for you, to open up, be vulnerable, and just help them, or, you know, that they would be your help. They would be kind of your little group of cheerleaders, because that's something I've really learned, I would say, even more later 20s into my 30s, is to really have that, that network, and that it's okay to reach out to somebody that you trust or admire, and say, you know, can we meet once a month just to talk? Like I'm going through some tough stuff and I need somebody to kind of walk alongside of me, that type of thing. Sure. So is, I mean, is there anywhere in particular that you would recommend that somebody, I mean, if they're going through a lot right now and they feel like they're out on an island and they're going through it alone, which I think can be a, a very common thing, is there anywhere that you would recommend that people reach out to to find people like that? Is it just friends of theirs or is it a specific group or church or like what what path do you send people down to be able to do that you know and it just it depends on the particular person like so if it's a client you know i obviously encourage them to continue to do the counseling but if they're a part of you know church or any type of faith community oftentimes i'll ask them do you have somebody there that you kind of look up to or trust or maybe like a Bible study leader, or could you talk to the pastor and say, hey, I'm looking for kind of a mentor or a prayer partner or, you know, somebody to kind of cheer me on, mm -hmm. things like that. Um, it just depends. You know, if somebody's dealing with addiction issues, you know, groups like AA or NA um, have been amazing for a lot of people. Um, there's the Christian group called Celebrate Recovery that gen generally meets at different churches. That can be a good one to get connected with. So it just kind of depends on, you know, their particular situation. But yeah, definitely even just reaching out to a family member or friend too and just sharing because sometimes people don't even reach out to those closest to them because they're worried about, you know, the gossip or the judging or, you know, they don't want their family to worry about them. But I think a lot of times when people do reach out to those closest to them, they can help point them in the right direction as well. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just out of curiosity, uh, because my bachelor's was in psychology and I did, mm -hmm. uh, I actually looked at going into counseling and potentially clinical psychology before ah. I chose sports psychology. So mm -hmm. do you have a particular methodology that you use for your counseling or kind of a, a philosophy that you subscribe to in regards to that? Mm -hmm. And I think, 
you know, a lot of us will answer to that, you know, kind of eclectic, right? There's so many different types of approaches that I can't say, oh, well, this is my approach and everyone that comes in, this is how I'm going to work with you. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things I can say is I remember reading way back in grad school, which feels like a long time ago now, um, Carl Rogers talks about unconditional positive regard. Oh, okay. I don't know if you remember learning about that at all in psychology. I know Rogers, certainly. Yes. So why, why don't let's educate the audience on what unconditional positive regard is, because I feel like yeah. it's in our society now more than ever. So what is that? Yes, that's so true. Um, so basically, unconditional positive regard, it's sort of like the concept of unconditional love, right? So, uh, you know, a client comes in and, you know, some clients, they may have a really rough history. I mean, they may have, you know, abused other people. They, you know, may have abandoned their children. I mean, there's just so many different things that maybe they could have done or things that have been done to them. So it's kind of that idea of like unconditional love for them. So obviously it's, you have those boundaries set in place, but it's sort of no matter what you've done or what's been done to you, like I'm going to still view you in a positive light and do my best to help you and to kind of cheer you on. Mm -hmm. And that's really a lot of what counseling helps people with is that somebody is safe. Somebody is going to view them as positive no matter what and kind of cheer them on that whatever they've done or whatever has been done to them it's okay. I'm like, you can talk about anything in this safe space. I will still be there for you. And I will help you kind of accept yourself and, you know, your own flaws or your own, your own issues and work through them. I think that's such a powerful thing. The unconditional love, unconditional positive regard for the people that haven't really felt that in their life and have mm -hmm. gone through all of what they've done. I mean, it can sometimes be a pathway to high achievement where you don't feel like you're good enough. So you're constantly mm -hmm. trying to prove yourself personally, professionally, mm -hmm. athletically, whatever it happens to be. Mm -hmm. You can be a high achiever that way, but you're never going to be fulfilled. Definitely. Yeah. It's like you always have that little voice in your head going, you know, you're really not good enough. You know, you've done all this stuff, but you know, or it's like, oh, you think you're so good. Well, remember what you did in your past or remember what somebody did to you, you know, those yeah. types of things. That's why I feel yeah. like on some level, almost everybody can, well, everyone can, I think, benefit from therapy in mm -hmm. some way, talking these things yeah. up because we Definitely. all so yeah. to wrap this up, you've given a lot of great value and honestly, it's, it's kind of a good, uh, good capper, I feel like, the unconditional love, unconditional <laughs> positive regard. Is there anything that you wish I would have asked you, but I didn't? Hmm. Let's see. Grade point average jumped to my mind just as a joke. You're a 2.0. No, probably somewhere in between there. <laughs> no, um, I don't know if there's really anything else in there. I know. Oh, I know. Um, what is your favorite, you know, quote or thing that you kind of go to that helps you keep going? Okay. So I have, I have a favorite quote, which is um, a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. 
It's just, it's so simple and maybe even overdone, but I just love that. And then the other one is kind of the, the verse I have for my life from the Bible that is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So I just, I bring a lot of spirituality into my sessions as well and just kind of meet people wherever they're at with that. So yeah, yeah that's definitely brought me a lot of hope in my life is my relationship with God. Yeah, definitely two powerful quotes slash mm -hmm. verses. Um, mm -hmm. to help you all perform. So thanks for sharing those. Um, if welcome. people are interested in learning more about Shelly Blanchard and what it is that you do, where can they find you and how can they do that? The easiest way to do that is actually going on psychologytoday.com. Type in Shelly Blanchard and my profile will pop up there. Um, it has, you know, my phone number on there, my email, a little bit about me and the type of clients that I work with. Um, so yeah, people can contact me there. And even if you don't want to be a client, but just, you know, have questions or comments or whatever, feel free to reach me through there too. And just say, Hey, I have a comment. I don't want to be your client, but here's my two cents. And I'd love to hear that as well. Awesome. That's great. Any other parting shots that you would like to leave the audience with? Um, I don't know that I have any last words really. I just want to thank you for inviting me to be on the show. And it's, Fun to have, you know, grown up with you through the teen years and graduate high school together and we're kind of doing our own things and now we get to kind of do a little work together. So Absolutely. I just think it's really cool. So I'm excited for the work that you do and love getting your weekly emails and just kind of checking out what you're up to and <laughs> came out of small little town in Minnesota and we're, I think, both doing our best to do great things. So I think that's really exciting. You never know the places we'll go. I'm pretty sure that was a Walker mm -hmm. Seuss book, right? All the places. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, but on behalf of of all the listeners, all the viewers, uh, Shelly, we want to thank you for your time. Thanks for um, all the value you've provided and for empowering and for helping others to outperform. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. And you to too. all of you, thanks for listening and watching. Take care. Hello Outperformers, three more quick things before we sign off here today. First and foremost, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I understand how many different podcasts are out there and I do not take a single second of your time for granted because time is truly our most valuable asset. It is our most precious commodity and I appreciate you taking that time and you spending it with us here today. Second, if you found value in this podcast, maybe you've noticed, but podcasting has gotten quite popular as of late. And if you would like to help support the Outperforming Movement and the Outperform Podcast, one of the best ways that we can get it found is for you to give it a favorable review and rating on whatever your favorite podcasting platform happens to be. So head on over to iTunes, head on over to Google Play, and give it a favorable review. And while you do that, also share it with someone else that you know that is just like you, is driven by growth and wanting to be the best personally and professionally in every single thing that they do. Number three, if you want even more tools and tips and strategies to be able to be your best personally and professionally, head on over to scottwelly.com. That's S-C-O-T-T-W-E-L-L-E. -L -L -E. There are loads of different resources for you on everything from goal setting and grit to resiliency and focus 
to confidence and motivation and routines and habits and everything that you can possibly imagine to help you be your absolute best every single day, personally and professionally. Once again, if you'd like to access those free resources, head on over to scottwelly.com, S-C-O-T-T-W-E-L-L-E. So as I sign off, thank you again for spending your time with me here today. Keep outperforming and as always, wish you the best of health, happiness, and high performance. Have a great day.